as we alluded to before, we're gonna we're sort of stay in that vein. We're vain, vain. We're stay in that vein. Why is it that I can't express myself in English ever? Um, is this another down the pike? It's another, another down the pike. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello guys, my name is Kirsten, I am from fluentlanguage.co.uk and in today's episode I am joined by Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages. How are you doing? How are you doing languages, Lindsay? Hello, hello. Hey. <laughs> Where are you at? Well... At the time of recording, not in yeah. Laos. At the time of publication, I'm in Laos. Wow, you're in Laos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this your last sort of stop? Are you are you coming back soon? Soon, not quite yet. So, oh. in a <laughs> so after here, <laughs> we'll go to Cambodia. Wow. Very briefly in Thailand and then Malaysia and then fly home from Singapore on July 12th. Wow, wow, yes. wow. That is such a long trip. It is, 11 months, like pretty much exactly 11 months. I think we left on the 10th of August and we fly back on the 12th of July. So it's, yeah. 12th of July. For some reason, I had it in my head that you were coming back like next week. I know, like, it feels, it feels like... There's not long left, but it's not quite mm. a week just yet. Mm, how are you enjoying your travel lifestyle? Yeah, it's 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 good. I, I I don't know if I like the word lifestyle for it. I mean, it's it's yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess it's a lifestyle, the same as having a having a bicycle or having a car or yeah, w whatever. I don't know the your the choice that you've made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lindsay, I want to I want to thank you and Shannon because I've recently, finally, after dithering for a while, uh, jumped on your a good bandwagon. What is a good bandwagon? Jumped on your party train. Whoop. Off clear the list. Did Whoop. you notice? I did notice. Yes. Way. Appreciado. That's not real oh, Spanish. It's... Appreciated. And yeah, I'm excited for you. How's it going? It's going great. I'm enjoying the chance to look back on months. Something that often comes up in language learning is that we, you know, we, we talk about goals and the idea of clear the list in a way is it's a goal setting community. But what what having this monthly little blog article about goals also does for you is that you get to really, really look back. And since I've made the language habit toolkit, I realized the, the value of reviewing what we actually did without judgment, without putting ourselves down, without saying, oh, I didn't achieve my goals. And instead just looking at it and saying, well, that goal was rubbish to begin with or something like that. And to learn from it and to put all that into one article that is written like that, I am really enjoying it. Mm. It's a it's a process I found really useful, like over the years now. I guess that we've done it, and I think yeah, you're right. Like the review is as important as the goals. You know, the the kind of future mm -hmm. goals because I kind of when I put mine together, I start by kind of copying in my goals from the last month and looking. Okay, did I get that done? If not, why not? 
And then you can sort of, not, not in a kind of accusative way, but you can sort of then think, okay, well, why didn't that happen? Was it time? Was it like a kind of conscious decision on my part to say, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be naughty and not do it. Or was it like something else, some kind of outside thing? Or was it that, the, like you say, the goal wasn't realistic enough? And you can then make better goals for the next month going forward. So yeah, I think it's a really nice chance to just check in and, and there's a real nice community around it as well. So welcome to the club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree on the community and I want to give give big shout out and thanks to everyone who commented on on my own Clear the List articles and everybody who contributes theirs because it's fun to read your articles. It's fun to read how you guys study languages. Something I noticed recently is that People really use Duolingo and Memrise in ways that I just do not. For me, they are a lot further down the list than for some people. And that has been interesting to see because it keeps me in touch with how others learn. Whereas I, I just don't do it like that at all. No judgment in, in that in, in, intended either. But it's it's just, you know, you look at it and you go, huh, that works too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like for me... Duolingo has been key with with learning Guarani because it's mm -hmm. been the one kind of stable thing that I've been able to do every day. Even now, I'm, it's the one thing now that I do for Guarani. Like when I go home, I'm going to start again. I've got my books now. I think we spoke about this last time. I've got my books at home ready and waiting for me. I dropped them off at, at the airport in London. I was like, here you go, mum. Have some Guarani books. I didn't want to carry them around Asia. And uh, so I'm excited to get back to it. But in the meantime, Duolingo is helping to keep me, think, you know, to keep things ticking over. So I'm very uh, grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Very true. Oh, and um, I also was able to make a little book club. We are meeting, I think, two days after this show comes out. So if you happen to have read Scoop by Lois Arnold and you're a Welsh speaker, you can still get in touch with me and just hop on our call. We're doing a book discussion in Welsh about this book. And that was entirely me writing, you know, thinking about, well, what do I want to do for the next year? I bought these next month. I bought these books. I should really start one. Maybe I should find myself a book buddy or book club or something like that. And within about a day, um, I put one little post out and I had a comment on this article and, and, It was it was very quick that this was all put together. So again, sharing with people who are equally dedicated, I guess, more le more dedicated, less dedicated. I'm not the most dedicated, I will say, but you know, sharing so with people who are it's it's really cool. Yeah, I want to book yeah, club. I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. Oh, nice. Makes you makes you value everything you did in a month. So clear the list. You can find at clip the list dot something i don't know you just just go to my blog and we'll put mm. something in the show notes and you'll find it or just search for hashtag clear the list and i think we're, we'll we'll manage to connect you with us if you want to participate at any point mm, definitely i do have one page let me grab that quickly mm -hmm. there we go i can make a little short link i think if you go to lindedislanguages.com forward slash clear the list i think that takes you there but Perfect. there is a page Perfect. i will share with you kirsten And our flu our show notes for this episode. Let me have a look. We are episode number. Oh, Lindsay, we're coming to the we're coming very Whoa. rapidly up to the hundreds. We're episode 91. So at show slash 91 is where you'll find all the links and show notes as well. Oh. 91. Including clear the list. 
That's a right uh, old age. <laughs> I know, I know. Nearly 100 years old. Something that I have recently been doing that we've we've talked about several times, but I'm still amazing myself because even today I already reviewed five vocab items and they were really the ones that I keep forgetting a lot. They were the vocab items that I need to see. And for once, I didn't work through vocab lists to get there, but I actually used a Flashcards app. And that Flashcards app is our show sponsor. So let's take a second to thank our sponsor for supporting the show, but also for you guys to be aware that this is a a resource that even a, a techie, a tech skeptic like me is, is using. So maybe try it out if you're into learning languages on your phone. I'm obviously talking about Smart Cards Plus, the new flashcard and spaced repetition app that helps you review new vocab. And they work with that classic spaced repetition algorithm and the idea of spaced repetition is that over time the app will learn words learn which words you just know so you're always typing in or you're selecting the right translation for a word for an expression you can put full sentences in there it all works and over time the ones that you know really well the app won't show you so often but the ones that you forget more frequently will stay in the kind of heavy rotation to borrow a phrase from radio, and they will be in front of you much, much more frequently. So it saves you the time of figuring out, okay, I know this word or I don't know this word, and instead it zooms in on where your biggest weaknesses are. And that's an efficient use of time. Do you do space repetition, Lindsay? Yes, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm just is that what heavy rotation means? It's like a radio. Heavy term. rotation. Yeah, I think heavy rotation oh. is when, you know, when you hear a song so played so much on the radio oh. that it just completely sticks in your head. I think that's heavy rotation, yeah. There is a song by a Japanese band called AKB48 called Heavy Rotation. And I always <laughs> thought it was some kind of like rude euphemism. Now I, okay, I get it now. Got it. Played a lot on the radio. Thank you. Played a lot on the radio. Yes, in heavy rotation, I believe. Okay, I'm learning. Mm my own language <laughs> so what's your expression that's currently in or that would be in heavy rotation or with Guarani did you have one though it just took forever to get in I have about 12 with Welsh yeah there's a few the ones that are taking forever to get in aren't in my brain so I can't give you them one of my favorites <laughs> is the word for yes is hey 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 and I found myself yeah. even after like you know, not speaking Guarani to people in, in Paraguay, I would, I would be like, hey, 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 like as you're sort of agreeing with people when they're speaking. And then coming here, I would be doing it as well, just like, because hey, hey, it's, it's quite fun <laughs> to do. A little bit of a nasal E in there. Yeah, That's one of my so favorites. that was in heavy rotation in your brain. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and the great thing about if you were doing a Smart Cards Plus flashcard, would be as well that you can put the sound in there right into the flashcards. You can put pictures in, you can put sounds in, you can put example sentences, you can make these flashcards pretty rich. So, well, once it figures out that you know, once it figures out that you know that, it wouldn't show you anymore. But until you remember it, you will also be able to hear the sound with your flashcard. And I think people can, if they have done this in Anki before, you know, some people are Anki maniacs. If you've done it in Anki before and you want to try out something new or you want to see this new interface in action with your existing deck, you can import 
your Anki deck. And I found this really cool. Like I imported a Welsh deck. I'm more of a flashcard creator, but it definitely works. Hey. Now, <laughs> See, it's so, that's why it's in my brain because it's so useful. I don't know the word. I just go mm, in a different Ew. tone. Wonderful. Ew. 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 In this is hard. Heavy rotation. <laughs> So just to remind you guys that there is currently a competition on. I think we're in the last week now. So get a move on if you want to participate because this month and we're just into June. So just in the last few days, Smart Cards Plus still giving you the chance to win a $25 iTunes gift certificate when you download and try out the app and then share what you are learning. So all you need to do is... Download Smart Cards, download, download Smart Cards Plus from smartcardsplus.com slash fluent. Get started with your own deck, with an Anki deck, with a Quizlet deck, doesn't matter. And then post a screenshot of what you're learning. Tell us what words you keep forgetting on Twitter or on Instagram with the hashtag smartcardsplus. It's all you got to do to be in with a chance to win it. So that's smartcardsplus.com slash fluent to get you started. And I'm going to look out for your screenshots on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'll add my own as well. I think it's going to be Arakivan, which I think means on the whole, but I've already forgotten it again. So Arakivan is a some sort of Welsh expression that people say. Mm. Yeah. Hey. So, Lindsay, regarding your lifestyle, I have a question. <laughs> okay. Would you describe yourself as a digital nomad? <clears throat> Sorry, I just vomed in my mouth a little bit. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, you you travel. Yes. And you work remotely. Yes. Well, or, or is it remotely? Because what are you even remote from? Your business is just on the road with you. Mm. So you would fulfill what I would think a digital nomad is, like a person whose lifestyle, I guess, or whose, yeah, lifestyle, as in not like the purpose of your life, but how you choose to spend your days, mm. is very travel-related. So you and Ash, digital nomads. I can see where you're coming from. I just don't like the term... And maybe this is an issue with myself. Like maybe like like when I think that, I think of something that I don't like, that I don't want people to think I am and that I don't think I am. Mm. Right? There was an article that we, we've shared yeah. recently, right, that we read and I'll put it in the show notes, which was about... Hmm, it was called the digital bromad. So, is there something of that in there that just? I think so. And 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 the I term has taken on a weird tone to it. Yeah, and and I don't like that. I mean, like I I feel like when you give something a name, it then makes it either acceptable and okay, or it makes it something that you then don't want to be. And I think by my kind of nature. If something has a name, I kind of don't want to be it, maybe. So maybe it's just like a personal thing. <laughs> right. But I just I just find it kind of tricky. Like like I still I'm I, I'm not a nomad. 
in my mind, because we have a home, we have a mortgage, and we're going back there in two months, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and we've been paying that for this whole time that we've been away. And like, this trip, it's not like a case of we, you know, we didn't think like, okay, we're taking our laptop on the road. And, and we're never looking back. It wasn't some kind of I don't know, like, like mm. I, I don't know. I, 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 we, we both knew that this is temporary and would be a temporary thing. And so, for that reason, maybe I find it difficult to, to say I'm a digital nomad. But it's kind of like, like the word polyglot, for example. Like, I find that difficult to say about myself, even though I have no issue with just using it to describe other people. So maybe there's an element of that in it. Maybe for me, for me personally, you know, maybe it feels like almost an element of arrogance to say, I'm a digital nomad. Mm. Whereas if someone were to describe someone else that way, then it's, I feel like there are some terms that you can use to describe other people, but if you use them for yourself, it comes across as arrogant. A polyglot, I feel like, I, I find I find it difficult to use it to describe myself, even though I'm happy if someone uses it to describe me, someone else uses it to describe me, or I use it to describe someone else. I, I don't mm -hmm, really have mm -hmm. an issue with the word. Digital nomad, I don't know. It just feels kind of icky, and I don't like it. It's really interesting that you, mm. you brought polyglot into that as well. This is going to be the label episode. I can already see. Like, how do we label ourselves? What what drawer would we like to, you know, when somebody opens the drawer for polyglots, do we want to sit in it? Because this is it. This is it. Like, if, if I said, I'm a digital nomad, what does that entail? What does that label bring? And in my mind... Wait, that, what, do you, what do you associate with, exactly. right? Exactly. And in my mind, that doesn't bring... <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> And in my mind, that doesn't bring the label of has a mortgage, has a flight home, is looking forward to going home. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Let me ask you this, or let me let me bring this into it. I think there's something that has evolved from, okay, when I first became self-employed, mm. one of the first book I read was The 4-Hour Workweek. Not because I mm. wanted a 4-Hour Workweek as such but because i don't know i was i was off sick with stress and it it was something that talked about a different way of working i think i had to redefine my own relationship with with work yeah and with employment etc and that that at the time this is this is a while ago now and even then the book was already five years old i think so this is 2012 2011 Even at the time, parts of the book were made more sense than, than others. And there is a, and, and, and I'll tell you in a minute why I'm bringing this book into it. There is a ruthlessness to the way the four-hour workweek me method, I guess, the way, the way it's described of what you're supposed to be doing, which has actually Something that echoes that I find is that in language learning, when when somebody is is too method focused, um, I often find it. I personally 
and this is not a criticism at all. And if you know, because you can listen to the interview with Gabriel Weiner on the show, who is very method focused, and I'm asking like, where is the feeling in this? Where is the you know like how do you connect with it? And there is emotion in it, and there is feeling, and it is what makes them feel like this is this is great. But I find method focus for me personally, there's a level of ruthlessness that that I guess I take joy in being a bit rubbish sometimes. So. The four-hour work week has that ruthlessness in, but applied to globalization because it takes advantage of currencies being worth more in one country and worth less in another country. And I mm. think that, in a way, became a certain internet phenomenon where people you know, throw up a fast business and drop ship some junk from China. And that, that then is, is a way of having a business or trying to make a living. And you combine that with the lower living costs in, in a different country. And then there is a criticism leveled at certain groups of people to, to perpetuate the, the, the expat thing. And that's not actually new, being an expat who doesn't get involved at all in the culture and kind of stays apart and is sort of almost, dare I say it, the white person who just, you know, gets the better lifestyle for cheaper. Mm. That is a, that's not new. People have been expats forever, but now people can earn in dollars or earn in pounds, you know, or mm. euros. <laughs> the pound is not as strong as it used to be because Brexit, let's not go there. But, you know, people can earn in a stronger currency and spend it in a place where you can get more for your money if that if that is how you earn and that has now translated into this sort of digital nomadism and that's where i come back to tim ferris which has this ruthlessness attached to it where you just have to sense if it if it involves and you know like we i'm thinking back to the the digital toxic masculinity in this there's a level of lack of caring perceived and that could perhaps play into it. Yeah, that was very long and academic. No, I, I think I think that's like when I think of that term, perhaps that's what I associate with digital nomad, which is why I don't want to be associated with that. Does that make sense? Because I don't see myself as that. And so, like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think as well when you when you label yourself as something, when you identify as something it can then become very hard to know who you are and what you are worth, essentially, when you're not that thing anymore. For example, if I say, wow. I am a singer, right? And then mm -hmm. one day I lose my voice. Well, what am I now? If, if all I was before was a singer and that was my one identity, Well, then what have I become when I lose my voice? If if I say, you know, I'm a digital nomad and then I become so wrapped up in this identity because I've I've created the identity for myself and then we go home, then what am I? You know what I mean? I feel like it's we, wow. I feel we have to be very careful when we label ourselves and others because we are more than just one label. Everyone is. Mm, that brings it round to polyglots as well, or like what you were saying earlier that um, to because it also defines us 
not by what we are. It defines us by how other people call something. Yeah, and I and I think as well, like in in, I, I don't like it when people blame social media age for for negative things or whatever. But if we think of now, <laughs> like this idea of having a um, like a Twitter profile, and it will say something like um, singer. I don't know. I'm keep you coming back to singer, right? Singer, polyglot, mum, sister, or whatever. You know. And like, and like, I get that. It's cool. You know, you've, you've only got a certain number of characters. You want to quickly kind of tell people a little bit about you and, and who you are and kind of, but, but then I, I wonder if we do that to ourselves, how much room does that leave for something else? Mm. And so mm. I, th I feel like that's why I find it difficult maybe personally to call myself a polyglot or to call myself a digital nomad or whatever, because I feel like there's a level of, if I label myself as that, then that's who I am and that is my identity. And, you know, God forbid you change who you are. We're told our whole lives, be yourself. Oh, there's like a million different versions of myself and yourself when we're with different people, when we're in a different country with different people, when we're in a different, you know, like we're in a job interview or we're out at the pub with our friends. We're still being ourselves. We're just being a different version of ourselves. And so I find that really difficult to, to say, this is me this is my identity it's like no I'm I'm mm. Lindsay and yeah I'm Lindsay does languages whatever but there's more to me than that there's more to me than than me spending a year traveling and working at the same time mm -hmm. so your reluctance to use digital nomad as a way of describing describing your your current choices mm. Um, even though, you know, like in theory, you travel, you got a computer, you know, like you do some digital work and you travel around and you don't stay somewhere for a long, long time, like where you would, I don't know, you know, you're not settled, mm. but you say I am settled and your reluctance to do that is also, it's almost like a level of self-protection. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Wow. Deep. This is... <laughs> it is deep, isn't it? It's, it's very, very interesting to think about. And as we alluded to before, we're gonna we're sort of stay in that vein. We're vain, vain. We're stay in that vein. Why is it that I can't express myself in English ever? Um, is this another down the pike? We got another one. It's another down the pike. God, the down the pike incident. Um, by the way, if you wonder about the down the pike question and whether something can come down the pike, <laughs> the answer is actually yes, it can. But it tends to only come down pikes when you're when you're in the East Coast and it's nothing to do with pike the fish, but it's actually to do with pike being used to abbreviate the American expression turnpike, which is used for a toll road. So <sighs> it means coming down the road. And I shouldn't be using it because I know I don't speak with an American accident. Ac accent. Accident. <laughs> <laughs> So that's just that with the turnpike thing. Uh, today we have a big set of deep and profound discussions. So settle in, grab your cuppa, grab your beer margarita. If you are, um, I don't know, hashtag. I hope there was a comma on the, on the beach. Was there a comma there? Beer, comma, margarita. It wasn't like a beer margarita. A beer margarita. Mm. Mm. You could have Desperados, which is a beer drink that is flavored with tequila oh. and a lot of sugar to be fair it's nice though mm. but sugary you're mm. speaking to like someone who doesn't drink alcohol i'm, I'm just gonna yeah. nod and smile hey hey <laughs> see useful word 
Well, as a German, I mean, I I was, you know, one of my first teenager kind of party drinks was cola beer, which essentially is just a sugar party with a small amount of alcohol involved. Kind of Bacardi Breezer-esque. Well, it's beer and Coke mixed together. Huh. And it's called cola beer. (laughs) So, getting back to profundity. Today we have two questions. They're both listener questions. So well, first of all, I want to give big thanks to listener Evan Walters and listener Madeline Elfenbein. Thank you for so much for writing in. I love hearing back from you guys. And you know that usually my Q&A episodes are dedicated to your questions. But these two questions I felt were worth discussing on the show with somebody else. I think they are better... It's there is no answer to these questions as such. So what we can give you perhaps is a is a valuable dis- discussion around them. Okay, um, we're going to start with the, the both questions for uh, about definitions for, I guess things that we consider ourselves and values that we give ourselves. So bear in mind this digital nomad polyglot thing. It's just the warm up, and the first question is, ta-da, what is fluency and how do you get there evan asked this and i wrote back to him and i said well what's fluency to you and uh, maybe we can start off this discussion with evan's answer which was very detailed do you want to hear it Lindsay? i most definitely do hip okay cool so Evan says, although I understand others will have different standards of fluency depending on their language goals, I think fluency is attained in four separate categories, that being one for each language learning skill. Someone may be a fluent listener, but not a fluent speaker, reader or writer, or any other way swapping the skills around. So to me, I would assign, and then he goes on to list them, so I'll, I'll abbreviate this, I would assign fluency standards to each skill, speaking, listening, writing and reading. So a core skills guy, man after my own heart, I love it. And then he goes on to say, when can one consider themselves fluent in a language? Is it when you speak fluently with some mistakes? Fluid? Is it when you speak fluidly with some mistakes or no mistakes? Is it when you can hold a conversation or is it a higher standard, such as when you can read a whole book only looking up a few words or when you can watch a whole movie and not use subtitles of any sort? Is it when you dream in the language? Is it when you can convey humor what is it? So that is kind of the, the, the question really that that um, Evan is looking for. And he gave some really some really interesting descriptions. So got quite specific in the different core skills. But this is, I guess, where my opening gambit is. When I was thinking about fluency to me, I, I made myself a little mind mappy style picture. I've shared it with you, Lindsay. And the, the thing that where I came down is... The way I would consider fluency, that word, it, it isn't, I wouldn't, it's about interaction in my mind. It's about how we interact with, with other people in the moment. I think fluency has this sort of implication of uh, speed and ease and that kind of thing. And not necessarily so much in it about you know the the way when you're writing you can just take a minute stare out the window look up a word in the dictionary and it won't disturb your flow in the same way as it does in a conversation flow so to me fluency is about interaction which i guess is me saying to me it's about 
understanding and producing spoken language. Why do you say spoken? Why have you added that in? Spoken language is, well, taking aside the languages of the deaf communities, mm. spoken languages are how we, is what we use in direct interactions with people. And I would go on further and consider that fluency to me is most relevant and most Perhaps this isn't necessarily about me, but this is how I how I think the world sees it. Perhaps God is so mm. hard. Um, it's about how we think about interaction. I just came down to this sort of interaction in specific situations, where usually you are in direct conversation. So this isn't about like how well can you overhear something um, that other people are talking about in a busy pub, perhaps. Huh. But it really is like how 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 does your interaction how good is your interaction skill and interaction to me it's you know there's the whole extra level of cultural awareness choosing the right register addressing people in the right way knowing how to have a conversation in your target language that isn't just you translating whatever you'd say in your cultural context but ultimately it's it comes down to to speaking that's interesting mm. i th mm. i think that i don't claim that it's the answer well i don't think there i don't know see this is where i would start with this is i would say i don't mm. think there is an answer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that fluency you know like how you responded to evidence said, well, what do you think fluency is i think it is a very personal definition and mm -hmm. it's again like i find it i find fluent a really difficult word to describe myself even though I'd be happy to use it to describe others. And if someone chooses to use it to describe my language skill, happy for that too. But I find it difficult to use to describe myself because I feel like it almost opens up the idea of like, well, if I've said I'm fluent and then I don't understand something, I look like an idiot, right? And because like you mentioned the idea of um, not necessarily being able to understand someone that you overhear, a conversation you overhear, And I feel mm -hmm. like this is often where I find myself doubting my own ability and saying, well, you know, like I've I've studied Spanish for 15 years now, right? And just had eight months in Latin America. There were plenty of moments where either I didn't understand something that someone said to me or they didn't understand what I said to them or there was a misunderstanding or you know we got something wrong and didn't quite get what we wanted or whatever or there were plenty of situations where I and this is really what I was thinking about when you said that where I would be maybe on a bus listening to like they've got a tv on or someone's talking or whatever you know and you kind of hear this language in the background but you don't understand it or you've got the tv on in the background and you're not really understanding it all and mm -hmm, you feel like mm -hmm. well i'm not fluent because in my language if that was english tv playing in the background i would understand it perfectly and i wouldn't have to think about it but i'm thinking about ah. it and i'm not understanding it all in spanish so therefore i'm not fluent and i find myself okay. you know those moments then almost bring me down feeling like oh I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to be 
that kind of fluent. But maybe that is the the word that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. So maybe I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wrong mm-hmm. for thinking that about myself. I would say I would I mean I would never tell you you're wrong but I would say you you can claim I would in Spanish I would absolutely put you down as yeah no totally put you down as fluent mm. and I mean okay perhaps for context I would say I was fluent in English before I moved to England way before I moved to England that doesn't mean I did, I stopped getting better right and that doesn't mean I'd have understood everything and here is what to me comes into a definition of fluency and oh i don't not a universal one because you know this is just okay this is how kirsten from a website that has fluent in the name uh, sees fluency i guess there is something in there about confidence and i don't just mean thinking you're awesome although that helps confidence that leads and combined with strategies so again, it, to me, it's interactional, interact, interactive strategies that help you mitigate the misunderstandings, mitigate the gaps in grammar and in vocab that you have, and in using using your linguistic skills and again your sort of interactional skills to ease the conversation when you need it so for example asking somebody to repeat something asking somebody to slow down I think that does not mean you're not fluent just because you're asking somebody to slow down because you're also talking about processing a whole load of different voices accents different people's speaking styles and speeds and vocal variety and all that kind of thing so to me there is a level I guess fluency to me is about Yes, linguistic skill, most certainly. Uh, and I sort of wrote some ideas down. Of, you know, I guess if you can understand and manage about 70%, you, you, to me, you're, you're getting there. And it, But it's also about how you carry yourself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It's, it's more than about just confidence of knowing a word. It's also about confidence of getting a language and like another element you've got written down here is cultural awareness it's confidence of that as well of of mm-hmm. you know understanding like like ashley says oh there's like french lindsay oh so so french lindsay is really sassy really you know like when i speak french i'm like oh bah, bah. and i don't notice that but that i think <laughs> is, is part of that cultural awareness isn't it if i know that that is how how people in general perhaps are different when using that language and that's how I'm therefore different when using that language because I know that if I was my kind of British self when speaking French I probably wouldn't get noticed mm-hmm. so something Evan mentioned that that kind of comes into that is he said for him uh, in speaking uh, you should be able to convey humor and make jokes yeah the way he put it is even if they end up not being funny which Evan, mate, if that's your problem, (laughs) maybe you just, maybe (laughs) think of funnier jokes, but you know, it's either way, I think, yes, I mean, I don't think, again, I don't think you need to be the pun master, Um, I couldn't pun when I moved to England, and again, even on an academic scale, I tested at the highest IELTS range that you can get, I tested as a nine, and that's quite rare, apparently, and still, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, make, make a load of puns. 
Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because it's one of the best feelings when you make someone laugh in a different language. Hmm. Then you think when you you know in terms of like language learning kind of ratings Which of you... events of moments of oh yeah I did this thing making people laugh is a really really yeah. good one. You're right. You're right. Which brings me to oh like there's also the. I wrote down choose the right register and what I meant by that is if somebody came to me and um, we're in a casual environment and speaks good German but it keeps addressing me as Z and mm. then maybe I even tell them no no call me do and they keep persisting with Z or switching back to Z I would read that as a level of I don't know, like that not necessarily would make me think this person isn't fluent in German but it would... It takes a level of comfort away from me. Yeah. So there's there's something about that. that there's something to me in fluency that isn't a linguist about linguistic skill at all. It's about making a conversation work with the person you're talking to. I think making them putting them at ease. I think there is an element of linguistic skill in that, and I'm and I'll tell you why. Yesterday, mm -hmm. I was speaking with my Guarani tutor, and I did an episode of Language Stories about this. Actually, all about you. Because we would be traveling mm. through Latin America, I'd arrive in a new country and I wouldn't know how to address people. Do they use to? Do they use usted? Do they use vos? You know, which, which of these different words for you should I use? And it sounds really silly. It sounds like, well, obviously, you know, you just, you be polite. But that wasn't always the right, oh. the right, the right way and the right word. And, and so I found that quite interesting how this seemingly simple thing suddenly became very difficult. And I found even yesterday talking to my tutor, who is from Paraguay, now lives in Chile, is my tutor, so is has this level of formality, but is also now, I would say, my friend of like, you know, we've we've kind of learned together along this process. And now how how do I address him when I when it comes to Spanish? In English it's brilliantly easy. I just say you. In yeah. Spanish not so much. And so And in And that's in German, you'd be you'd be okay to ask him, but I don't know whether in other languages you. It's as common. Like in German, there's a whole there's a whole thing that mm. that can happen, doesn't always happen, but you can ask somebody whether you can say do to them, or usually it's like you offer it. And there used to be all these social rules where it's like the woman offers to do, the older person offers to do, right. and all that kind of thing. Like this used to, so, so this, this is what I mean. Here's the thing, that's something that I like actively right now kind of find difficult, yet you said you would describe me as fluent in Spanish, but if someone was speaking to you in German and using the wrong version of, of you know, Z instead of, of do, you would you would feel a little bit like, put out by that so that do you see what no, i mean only it's only if they can't pick up only if they can't pick up on the hint right Or only if they can't only if they aren't comfortable switching and that's right so where... you wouldn't you wouldn't persist sort of in an in an usted with with somebody who who has said to where you two. yeah even if they then keep keep using two Mm. You wouldn't then persist with usted because you kind of just you can only express yourself with an with an usted but that's where the linguistic knowledge comes in then mm -hmm, to fluency mm -hmm. because then I still find myself as I'm like babbling away in Spanish using usted 
because I might I haven't got that linguistic switch to go, okay, we're talking in two now all the time. No, my, my brain still every now and then throws out an usted or a conjugated verb with usted. Even though we've we've gone through the thing of we can use two or we can use vos, you know? Mm. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe the registered choice isn't maybe that's a very good example of kind of saying well but yeah but okay but if you occasionally do it that again doesn't i've always i think come down on fluency comes from the idea of a flow and as long as you can keep a flow going you you you're good i think yeah. oh this brings me to another point about fluency which is the, what you mentioned before about the polyglot, and in a way also the digital nomad. I think there is a wrong assumption out in the world. Like, by the way, I'm happy calling myself fluent in Welsh, even though I'm not. No, hang on. I'm sort of, I'm sort of approaching it, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> so now I'm just gonna say getting there, <laughs> even though I've got miles to go, and there's no way I can have a full speed conversation without errors. It's not happening. Anyway. The And maybe that is partly, I'm comfortable with this because I don't think this makes me better. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like fluency is in so many people's minds a not just a goal, but a destination. And... And, you know, this almost brings me back to, to the question, you know, like when, when, when somebody, and, and you're not the only one, Evan, I think, when, because this is a question that is very frequent on, in online discussions, etc. You know, like you, you want to ask other people, you, you write into a podcast and you say, well, what is fluency? Like, when do I know I'm there? And I think that's, you know, the question was, what is fluency and how do you get there? And this, how do I get there? How do I know I'm there? I can tell you, I can. I think I could much more easily tell you how to get to B2 or something like that, but I don't think fluency is about levels. I think fluency is about um, also levels of confidence and interactional skills that I cannot mm, really quantify. Okay, that's intriguing because, do, okay, do you think there is one thing, one point in your language learning that is fluency? Is there just one moment of like, boom? fluent now because I think and I made a video about this years ago and I still agree with it I still kind of stand by this that there's almost like it's so undefinable the way that I see it is that there's different levels of fluency so you can be like holiday fluent you know you can know everything that you need mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. get by on a holiday in that country that speaks that language or you could be like you know let's say that you um you work with German but your job is translating medical documents so you're fluent in that. You're fluent mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. German medical translation fluent, right? But you couldn't have a conversation and use the right version of do or z, for example. Yeah? I feel like there's different levels and different layers of fluency. And it's... It, have you ever had one of those, what are they mm -hmm. called? Mil... Like mil crepe cakes or something. Mil... Mil fil. That's the, that's the ticket. Yeah. Have you ever had one of those? It's almost like that. Like just... Layer upon layer of... Like a croissant. Yeah. Like, you know, where... <laughs> Fluency is a croissant. Where... Yep. There we go. We've solved it. <laughs> or a, a milfee. But that's that hard, is to, hard say, to say. But that's the ticket. That's the... That's why I think it is of like, mm. you know, there's almost layers of like, okay, well, I'm 
I can, I'm, I can do everything I need to do in that particular level. Like Burmese, right? We had three weeks there. Mm-hmm. No way am I fluent. But I could say enough, probably more than enough, to find out how much stuff is, to understand the answer when they give me a price back, to um, say hello to everyone because everyone says hello to you and it's the loveliest mm-hmm. thing, to say thank you, to to say things like, mm-hmm. oh, it's hot, isn't it? Or, oh, it's spicy. You know, little, little expressions like that that I can say that I can't say in Vietnamese right now, for example, or in Lao when I'm there at the time of this episode going live. You know what I mean? So it's like... Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm I'm fluent in almost travel Burmese. Yes. But I'm yeah. not fluent in Burmese. In my um in my notes, you know, little picture and I will put the I will put the picture in the show notes if it's if it's any use to anybody. I put down it's situational. Mm. I sort of I came to three conclusions about fluency. Number one is it's not about levels as and what I mean by that is it's not like you reach B1 vocab list, you've gone through the vocab list for B1 and you're suddenly fluent. I, To me personally, that's that's not quite the same thing. They're different things. It's a bit like how, you know, Myers-Briggs is a different personality test to the Enneagram or something like that. They, they each have something valuable to, to tell you, but they're not telling you the same thing. So it's not about levels, it's situational. And that is what you were just describing. That's Lindsay. it. I would, yeah, I would say. that's exactly it. It's, it. You can be fluent in situation A, but not B, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Even depends on your form on the day, right? You have good days and Absolutely. bad days. Absolutely. And, and I think that by mm. using fluency as this, this word, this, again, like labeling our, our ability, mm-hmm. our language ability with this label of fluency or not with this label of fluency is kind of limiting what we can do and limiting what we're going to do in the meantime while we are aiming for so-called fluency. Because it's it, it, as we're proving now, it's so hard to define. It's so hard to pin down a definition of yeah. this that it's it's an impossible goal to set yourself. You can, you know, you can mm-hmm. say, I want to be more fluent in, in uh, Spanish, but then you also have to define what that means to you. That alone is not good yes. enough, you know, but you have to define what does this mean? What do I mean by this, by wanting to be fluent in Spanish? What does that mean? And then figure out yes. how you can get to those points. It reminds me of the question that we so often put us put in our way um, you can tell I've done I've done some therapy in my life, but just generally, we often ask ourselves, "Am I good enough?" Mm. And this is a continuous question: "Or I'm not good enough? I'm not fluent yet? Am I fluent yet? Am I, you know?" And and sometimes you can really translate that with like, "Am I good enough?" And the answer to that should really just be like, "Yeah, you are. You know, like you are good enough." And it is. It's almost um, what do you call it? It's almost. Um, like a cycle where the the more you feel like you're good enough the more the closer you are to fluency because you're just that much more comfortable with the whole situation if indeed you are in the same camp as me which I know not everybody is but I'll tell you why I am in a minute where fluency is about interaction that's 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 it's a Kirsten belief and this brings me to the next word that we also got letter, a letter in about, or an email more, but if you wanted to send me a letter, please do, that'd be so cool. And that's mastery. Hmm. Ah, and mastery, oh, to me, that's definitely 
A, all core skills are involved. You know, like if you want to really say, I have obtained mastery in English. Um, okay, so I uh, I don't know. I, I will read out the question okay. because I think overall, like I have a problem with the word mastery to start with, but let's let's park that one. And this is from Madeline. Madeline says, what, well, there's several, God, there's so many questions in one. So we'll, we'll go focus on the mastery. What counts as mastery? And then she asks very interestingly, does every native speaker even possess mm. it? And she spoke to me and she said, as an example, given your years of deliberate study and your verbal talents, your command of English may be wider and deeper than that of many native speakers, making you sound more of an expert in English than most of us would. Interesting. And I would sort of agree with that, bearing in mind that there is a level of sort of language as obsession in me that makes me often pay attention to how people say stuff. And then I find myself telling them that they use the adjectives well or things like that <laughs> or like oh you you naturally alliterate this is wonderful <laughs> i say things like that so so but you know it takes a lot of english knowledge to notice that i suppose and she says to take myself as a counter example i look forward to becoming a competent reader and polite speaker of german but i expect to always speak with a certain awkwardness that i can only hope others will find charming mm. And I expect to always require subtitles for German films and miss chunks of conversations between native speakers because one, the amount of concerted study required to bridge that gap is great. And two, I can depend on the re reliably excellent English of educated Germans to help fill in the gap. Whereas in French and Turkish, I hope to someday, someday bridge the gap and sound like an educated and fully competent non-native speaker as a matter of both pride and necessi necessity. She says pride in there, which I think is really cool to associate yeah. that and to straight away come in with, no, I want to feel good about myself and this is what will help. This is, or not help, but, you know, this is how I plan to do it. So kudos to you, Madeleine. And she says, in Spanish and Italian, I will be happy to just hobble along, sounding like a small <laughs> child. So <laughs> it's, it's such a wonderful, again, such a great way with words in English already. She says, just as my practical goals for each language are different, so too is the kind of person I want to be in that Ooh. language. Yes. Okay. Oh, I have a lot to unpick here. <laughs> Isn't yeah. Great? Okay. So thoughts personally. So from this time we've had away, Spanish, like I mentioned earlier, there's been plenty of moments where I haven't understood, I haven't been understood, whatever. And it's it would be very easy to kind of go and it has been, you know, kind of like, oh man, I suck at Spanish. I'm never going to be fluent. I'm never going to be mastery level, mm. right? plenty of that but that almost hurts more than when I've been well, you, again like as a as a recent example because there's not been many moments this has been the only one really so far in Burmese when I can't say something I couldn't give two hoots because I'm not fluent I don't have mastery and you know like Madeline says she's quite happy to hobble along sound like a small child And that's how I feel. That's how this, you know, that's what this year has taught me. Like having kind of a high level in a language brings this level of, for me at least, almost um, guilt and maybe even like shame on some level when you don't know something or when you do get something wrong because you feel like you should be expected to know it. Whereas when you don't have that level to begin with and you are just like, oh, I can say hello, ah, you know, 
it then doesn't feel so bad when you mess up or you don't know something. Hmm. Yes, that's interesting. And it's you use the word mastery there in a in a very interesting way as well, which is um I I actually wrote that down earlier and you because you the way you described it, it was like I I don't have enough mastery of the language to do this. And um mastery in a way to me is you could look at it as um I am using the language as a tool. Mm to achieve a certain goal. I think we we're looking at two definitions of mastery here or two different uh, yeah ways of looking at it. I looked it up in the dictionary. And um there there's also two definitions and one is sort of this um almost supremacy implication, right? You say like someone you know, for a long time you had master and servant and all that kind of thing. So it's an interesting word because it can imply superiority and it reminds me often of, you know, I'm thinking of John Fotheringham who has the, had a podcast called Language Mastery and he often talked about Japanese and I think was interested in martial arts and I'm thinking dojo and master as teacher and there is that definition mm. but then there is the other one which is just a really comfortable appropriate i suppose command of something right like i've got enough mastery of my car to drive down the road i uh, but i'm not like the master car driver of of everywhere but who is Lewis <laughs> hamilton not yes. really because ah. like you know, yeah, he's great at driving around a Formula One track, but is he as competent just driving down to Tesco? I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that makes that brings this other part of it into it, right? It's like if if we are looking to achieve mastery, is there like a master? Is there just is there like one the, the language master who's like the the person to look up to or something? Yeah. So I think this is something very interesting in general in life, I guess, and kind of fits as well with what we've talked all about labels and stuff today. I think we've we've we're very naturally quick to sort of pedestal people, you know, to put people mm. on a pedestal and, mm. and say, wow, that an, an idolize of like, that's what I want to be. I want to achieve that. And that can be a good thing. It can be a positive, inspiring thing that can lead you to do similar things to get to that level of of achievement that they have. But it can also be quite negative because it can just lead to sort of feelings of not being worthy enough, not being good enough, never going to be good enough, jealousy, you know? And so it's all about mm-hmm. how we, like, handle this. And so, like, if we say, okay... In my mind, person X is exactly where I want to be with Japanese, right? So you say, that's amazing. You, It's then up to you to define for yourself how you're going to use that feeling that you have, that inspiration that you have. Are you going to take it as an inspiration? Are you then going to use it positively to think, okay, how did they get there? How many years, how many hours did they work? And what did they do? You know, maybe you can speak to them directly. Maybe you can't. So, you know, maybe some figuring out that you're going to do. Or do you choose or, you know, maybe not actively choose, but do, do, do you then take it negatively and use it in a negative way to kind of bring yourself down and, you know, 
you have to think quite actively about that to make it a positive choice. I think it's not always easy to mm. make it a positive thing, but I think it always can be. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And especially what you said there about how long does it take to get there? Um, by the way, with, with Madeline, again, like, I guess what counts as mastery is not a question that, that is easy to answer for you. Um, but she mentioned about um, being able to watch German with subtitles uh, or without subtitles. I think if you just spend enough time there, eventually, eventually you will probably just just get there i suppose but then there's always going to be something But, that you yeah. can't do in that language probably yes and you're never going english you in, know like in, you're you know. never going to claim mastery until you i don't know like you never you're just never going to claim mastery we know people who have learned f 15 languages they don't you talk to them you like i mean we have learned loads and loads of languages and I feel like I'm barely starting. The thing is as well with with this with the idea of mastery is that the end? Because in my mind language learning doesn't end even in English and like Madeline brings this up, right? Say like you know does every native speaker mm -mm. possess mastery? No. I don't yeah. I to I me don't think no. I do in English like you know I couldn't I couldn't do everything. Does that mean I'm I don't have mastery level in English? I don't know. It's hmm. I've been thinking about that because she she brought up my my level of of speaking English. And you know how I wrote this I wrote this article years ago about what gets easier when you learn other languages. Um or when you've learned, you know, it was based on a, a question that I got as as all the best discussions are and it was somebody asking when you've you know you've studied five six seven languages Kirsten what you know does it ever get easier so and I put that article for my sins I put it on reddit because I thought it's an interesting <laughs> discussion people may want may be interested and but I put as somebody who has studied this many languages and is bilingual in English and German And then I got this sort of like, you're not bilingual in English and German. You needed to be a child to be bilingual. Oh. Da, da, da. But I live my life entirely in English and German. To to all to all my personal definitions, I I didn't even consider this. Like, so so there's like this, and also again, I think linguistic mastery to me sounds more academic. So I am more comfortable saying, yeah, I suppose you know my English is is really, really, really good. And also, um, I I would not claim mastery, but I'm interested in language and I'm interested in how English is used as a tool. And I can read things like poetry that have a lot of inferred meaning and use language as this tool. And I can sort of understand what the poet is trying to do. So in because of that, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm the master of English, but I would say, okay, yeah, I can see that. I guess I've also got a master's degree in English. Mm. So <laughs> I got a label, yay. And um, however, there are so many, I don't know whether I would would consider myself 100% in all interactions that I have culturally flu fluent, dare I say fluent? Like, of course I can speak English fluently, yeah. but I am never gonna, there are so many references cultural references people's past kids tv shows oh man i do this oh, to you all the gosh, time like 
blah 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 and then somebody does this like thunderbirds reference and i'm like i don't know what thunderbirds yeah. is and then i just sit there and i am completely taken out of the group the conversation everything i do not share the cultural heritage that you guys share and that is never something that can be rectified not rectified it does, it's not wrong but you know it's never something that i can address in that way i often joke um when i do make a pun that is culturally relevant um i say oh i, I learned that in england school you know like in how to be an english school yeah uh, yeah and i mean now i'm looking at citizenship and you know this life in the uk test and i think they should just quiz you on like black books and, who is there winton the the cornetto trilogy and you know the just one cornetto advert we never had that in germany people start singing just one cornetto and i'm like what are you what are you on about and now i know mm. right so but i am i'm not like mastery doesn't mean i'm i'm still an outsider is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I'm forever going to be an outsider. Yeah. And this is what that bilingual, you're not bilingual. Yes, you're bilingual. It's We have two ways of thinking about it. And I guess this is comes back to what you're saying about the label and, and um, the, the way we want to see ourselves is even if linguistically you can claim fluency or mastery or whatever you, you wish to aim for, polyglottism, I think there is something psychological um, or situational or I don't know if I'm phrasing this right but there's something more to it yeah you know no I think you're you're spot on with with what you say and like the cultural references I, I must do this to you all the time apologies but I, <laughs> everyone I, does don't worry but I, I think as well like <laughs> that's something that I've really I wouldn't say realized but has been reinforced this year for me and I am so mm. flipping happy to not be fluent to not have mastery in all of the languages that I've ever studied even just to have a couple of words in Vietnamese I'm happy with that because I don't need fluency or mastery I don't want fluency or mastery and that mm. that is so freeing I think when you can get to that point to to just accept where you are and appreciate that yes, yes, you can get better always, always in language learning, in any area yeah. of life, there's always gonna be room for improvement. So there's no point obsessing over being perfect, being fluent, being a master. Because there's always gonna yeah. be space for improvement. And you're already good yes. enough, even if you're not a polyglot, yes. even if you're not fluent, even if you're not a master, you're already good enough. And to, it's it's like with running. God, so how many allusions to running do I make? Because mm. I'm, I'm perpetually rubbish at running. But running, I don't know, running 500 meters at a at a 20 minute a mile pace, you're still faster than all the people who are sitting on yeah. the couch. And it is true. It's a cliche, but it's true. And not not saying that, like, I, I want to thank, again, like, our listeners, Madeline and Evan, who wrote in with these questions. We're not trying to say, like, you're obsessing about the wrong thing. No. Not at all. I think you're bringing up interesting discussions because they are on our mind and because these are very, very fascinating concepts. And we can look at them. They're a bit like a prism and we can look at them from about five different angles. And you see, Lindsay, I don't know the German word for prism as easily as I know the English word for right. prism. Yeah. 
just you know there's just so much in in the world so i'm maybe not fluent in german anymore for everything <laughs> who knows but these definitely not master of german these are these are the things that that really i think they're valuable to think about and i hope that you you guys have had had fun i think we could we could talk about this even more and i'm i hope i hope that you guys who are listening uh will write in and share your own thoughts perhaps send us a you can even send us a, a voice message about this i think with a topic like this we're not going to get to the bottom and find the answer even dictionary definitions just aren't enough And dictionaries, you know, their job is to define. So hopefully we've given you a perspective on what defining can, can do for you or not do for you. And uh, thank you so much, Lindsay, for having this discussion. It was really no cool. No problem. Thank you. I think, and yeah, thank you to Madeline and Evan again for, for bringing this up. I think it's a really interesting discussion and really interesting conversation to have. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. And, and while we're thanking, let's give a shout out and a thank you to the Smart Cards Plus app, which is our sponsor for this episode. And they really are contributing to bringing you guys the fluent show, you know, for, for me to be able to put the time aside for, um, to rope my husband into editing this to, you know, to schedule, etc. Uh, sponsors are important for podcasts who are using them donations for others you know if you have a patreon podcast that you listen to and for all podcasts including Lindsay's podcast language stories and the fluent show reviews and ratings on itunes as much as we bang on about them are extremely useful so if you want to support the show do write into us please leave us a review on apple podcasts is the app now um, on itunes or you can review us on stitcher or i think you can do it in spotify as well you don't even have to write something you just give us a star rating lots of stars please if you can <laughs> or just visit smartcardsplus.com fluent where you get a free month of a really cool flashcard app if you are so inclined that is it from the fluent show for episode 91 wow Wow. Lindsay, you've been on over 50 episodes by It's now, I think. It's been a real joy. Yay. <laughs> and that is it from me for today. Goodbye and goodbye from Lindsay Williams. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk. Or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.